Shalom Aleichem. This is a summary on the second Sikha of Parshish Maaseh, the Tkutte Sikha's Chelek Yud Gimel. This is a Rashi Sikha, where the Rebbe analyzes a Rashi in Chumash and explains it to us. And as we are accustomed to do for the summary, we are simply going to look at the Psukim and see what comes out based on the explanation of the Rebbe in the understanding of Rashi. And we're looking in chapter 34, the discussion of the inheritance of the Jewish people, of Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, and it describes in great detail the borders of the land of Israel, going all the way from the Nachal Mitzrayim, all the way in the south, the river of Egypt, uh, which is widely, nowadays, there's a number of opinions, but they would say it's Wadi Al-Arash, uh, Al-Arish, which is in the Sinai Peninsula, all the way to Har Har, which is deep into Lebanon, almost the north, almost the entire Lebanon is part of the biblical border of Israel, going all the way to the right side of Israel, which goes down to the Jordan River, through the Kinneret, the Jordan continues down to the right side of the Yam HaMelech, of the Dead Sea, and then it turns left until it hits the Mediterranean, and this is the land of, of, of Israel. That's what that's the description of in the Torah, chapter 34, in great detail. And it opens up the passage by saying, Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, Tell the Jewish people, You're going into the land of Canaan. This is the land. This is the land that should fall to you as an inheritance. Eretz Canaan, the land of Canaan, according to its borders. And this whole passage has a certain difficulty to it, and this verse has a particular difficulty to it. The difficulty is, why exactly is the Torah telling us the boundaries? We just had a description of the conquering of the land of Jordan, and it gave us generalities where the land was, but it didn't find it necessary to get into the particulars of of the boundaries, the exact details from city to city. The Taita is being very precise in giving all of these boundaries. And it makes sense why the Taita didn't give it, because it's not relevant for us to know that knowledge. If it was important for the generals to know, the officers in the military to know what they were supposed to conquer, what they were not commanded to conquer, then he would tell them. If our passage as well, if it was necessary to know about the conquering of Eretz Yisrael, so either it doesn't have to tell us for the rest of history for us to know what they have to conquer, and even if it did tell, it should have spoken to the officers, to the military, to Joshua, the one who conquered the land of Israel. Why is exactly is it listing in detail for all of us to know what they had to conquer? Keep in mind that Rashi's opinion is that the mitzvah to conquer Eretz Yisrael is not a commandment for all generations. It was a commandment to that generation to go conquer Eretz Yisrael. And even when it says to settle the land, Rashi reads it, conquer the land in order that you should be able to settle the land. In Rashi, there's no explicit commandment to move to Israel. This is a famous debate between Nachmanides and Rashi. So there was this commandment, they have to conquer the land of Israel. And the question arises, why devote these de- so much, in, uh, a whole passage to tell us the exact boundaries of what you need to conquer? Why is that necessary? Particularly in this passage, if that's all, 
it was here to tell us what the Jewish people should conquer when they conquer the land of Israel, it could have simply read the following. Tzav is b'nei, so I'll command the Jewish people, tell them, when you go to the land of Canaan, this is the land, and it's Canaan these are the boundaries of the land. Why does it have to add the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance? This is an extra line. This is seemingly superfluous. Seemingly superfluous. And what is it doing here? And if it's just important in general, maybe it's important for the world to know what the Holy Land of Israel is. It's an important piece of information. But then why is it listed here in the Torah? The land of Israel has been mentioned so many times in the Torah in the past. Why didn't you tell me what the boundaries are? What is Israel? Including, let's go back to the first time Israel's promise to the Jewish people, to Avram. And he told Avram to travel the length and the width of the land. It should have described over there what is the land of Israel, if, if that's just an important item of information for the world to know. What precisely is happening in our passage? And therefore, it's clear to Rashi that it's very simple that being that we have many commandments in the Torah, tremendous amount of commandments which are dependent upon the land of Israel, that they're only relevant in the land of Israel, all laws of agriculture and many more. Therefore, mitzvahs which are dependent upon the land, and that's what the Pusik's here to say. The Pusik's here and the whole passage is here. It's here to tell you that it's so important for the entire Jewish people to know at the time and for all, all of time, what exactly are the boundaries of Eretz Yisrael? To know that within those boundaries, you have to keep the commandments of the mitzvahs of Eretz Yisrael. And this is where it's applicable. And Moshe, of course, has to tell you the details of every mitzvah. And this is a very important detail. Where are you supposed to be keeping the land of Israel? And that is why the Pasuk adds these extra words, so to speak. That it will fall to you as an inheritance. The Pasuk's trying to emphasize that I'm not here just to tell you what the boundaries of Eretz Yisrael are. That these are the things that are going to fall to you, which implies that it is being given to you. That it's not about you taking it. Rather, it's about what Hashem gives you. The special concept, the gift of God. The fact that this is a gift from the Almighty. That is what the Pasuk is emphasizing, that it's being gifted to you for the sake of you being able to serve him and fulfill his will and fulfill his commandments. And Rashi, based on the, this is actually a tremendous, if that is the intent of this passage, it actually turns out that there's a tremendous novelty here, which anyone who's been following Rashi and Chumash, this would come to them as a great surprise. Because if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, when it describes, Hashem describes how he's going to give the land of Israel, to the Jewish people, to the nation of Israel. Over there it describes all the nations that the Jewish people will inherit, will conquer. And it says in, in the end of chapter 15, And Rashi over there told us, what's referring the land of Oig, the land of the Jordan. So in other words, the land of Jordan is a promised inheritance to the Jewish people. And in fact, later in the title, we find that explicit on numerous occasions. Just in the Parsha of Matis, this is a double portion this year, Matis Masi. In Parsha's Matis, it's said explicitly this concept that they that they the that the Bnei God, Bnei Uvein, they says this is their inheritance before God. And this is also repeated in the book of Deuteronomy. 
So this is a real inheritance. But yet, our passage is stating a very clear law that these are the boundaries in which the mitzvot, the commandments of Hashem are applicable, the commandments dependent upon the land. In other words, this is the this has a different value. It's not just an inheritance, and it's not just a holy land. This is the land where you're obligated to do the commandments incumbent upon every, each and every Jew, every single Jewish person. But now the question arises, if the intent in this verse, verse 2, when it's said, that it will fall to you, fall to you, that it will be given to you by God, why does it use such an expression that the land will fall to you? If it merely meant that you're going, to, this is the land that, that, that is in the hands of the Jewish people that you're supposed to conquer, then it makes a lot of sense. We have such expressions in the Torah, in Tanakh, the verse says in the prophets, I fell into the hands of the uncircumcised. So the land falls into the possession of the Jewish people. This is an expression that could possibly make sense. But now we're not trying to describe the reality that the land is ending up with the Jewish people. We're trying to describe how Hashem is giving them and gifting them the land. Why use such an expression? It doesn't make any sense. So Rashi explains that the Pesach is referring to the fact that they took little pieces of paper and they did a girdle, they did a lottery between the tribes of Israel when they divided it up. Between the tribes of Israel, they put, they threw them down into the basket and then they picked them up. And this is actually relevant to the fulfillment of the mitzvot because many of the mitzvot are, could only be fulfilled as a matter of fact when all the tribes are, have their own states. There are 12 states in the land of Israel, and only when every tribe has the borders of their state, which are listed actually in the book of Joshua, um, the distinction, the boundaries, the borders between each of the 12 tribes, between each other. But that is a fulfillment. The Pasuk is referring to the division between the tribes. So it says it will fall to you. It's referring to this lottery. But this is still a difficult explanation because it still could have used the word that you lift up. That would be even a better word. We find that this land is lifted to you. We find such an expression by Avram when he bought the cave of Machpelah. The land was lifted for him, was was, was lifted up. We, and, and over here as well, you lift up the lottery. We find even in the Torah previously, in the Parshas Achrei you lift up the lottery onto the from the heads of the goats on the in the service of Yom Kippur. You could have killed two birds with one stone. You could speak about the lottery. And you could speak about the concept of lifting up. It doesn't have to be a negative connotation of going down. Additionally, what's difficult is that the Pesach's truest emphasis, the main emphasis of our discussion is about the boundary between Israel and outside of Israel, not between the tribes themselves. It doesn't mention anything about the tribes in our context. So to say that it's re- referencing the divisions between the tribes is difficult, and therefore Rashi felt it necessary to add what our sages tell us in the Medrash, that, it, that it's referring that Hashem took the angels on high, the ministers of this land, of the seven nations living in this land, and he threw them down before Moshe. So when it says, this is the land, it means these are the ministers of the land, which have been thrown down before you, before Moshe, before the Jewish people, and Hashem 
made them subservient to Moshe that the Jews should be able to conquer them very simply and very easily. Obviously, this is not the straightforward translation. It doesn't say anything about the ministers. It says about the land. And therefore, it's just an additional shot to explain what is going on here. What does all of this mean on a spiritual level, on a deeper level? What is the significance of all of this? And very briefly, what it means is the land of Israel represents the Jewish people. Um, Famously, it's the Holy Land. It's representative of God. A representative of God's will. The word Aretz comes from the word the will of God. The Jewish people represent the will of God on earth. The land of Israel represents the Jewish people. The Torah says it will fall down. It will fall to you, which implies that the soul comes from a very high place and it fell very low. So it didn't climb down. It's not gradual. It's a complete and utter descent from the highest level to the lowest level. It falls down. Why is it falling down? Why are we talking about your falling down? Why are we making you fall down? for the sake of the mitzvot, to be able to have the merit to fulfill a mitzvah, which is a tremendous thing which grants the soul such spiritual heights that it can never imagine without it. But in the end of the day, if it's a, if it's so great to do a mitzvah, why are we calling it a descent? Why are we calling it a falling that you fell? And the answer is that in a way, you connect with God in such a deep way through the mitzvot, it's... it's it actually is, in a way, like a goidol. It's like a lottery, the way you throw down a lottery. And it it actually doesn't make sense. It's not orderly. It's it's also a form of falling down. It's a goidol. You're connecting with the essence of the soul. You're connecting with the concept of God, which is beyond reason and beyond the logic. The essence, a Jew, becomes one with God when he fulfills a mitzvah. Because as long as the soul is just in love with God and in awe of God, the soul is a separate entity. But when the soul fulfills the will of the, the divine of Hashem, it becomes divine itself. It becomes one with the divine. It becomes the arm of the divine, the fulfillment of the divine. You're fulfilling the divine will, the mitzvah itself. And when we do all of this, when it's doing the serving God and doing it in a way that it's beyond the reason, Hashem removes all the obstacle that he, obstacles that he takes the all the ministering angels. The any any things which would block us from doing what we need to do, and Hashem throws it down and allows us to do our mission in the most beautiful way possible.